Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Now, this place has become very, very special to TR and me, also my wife Louise. She couldn't be here this time, sends her love. Love speaking Spanish with you. She speaks, mi esposa habla buen español, pero hablo mal. That was to impress you. <laughs> Thrilled to be here and honored to be here on this special day to have a part and given this well-deserved award to this beloved man. Uh, about the books, uh, I never know what we're gonna bring. Uh, God has given me a writing ministry. Uh, this one, 40 Days with the Holy Spirit. This is written to introduce you to the Holy Spirit as if you knew nothing. It's a good one to give to a new Christian. It's in Spanish and English. Uh, Total Forgiveness, years ago I preached that. It's in English and Spanish. Uh, Holy Fire, English and Spanish. This is written to combat the theory of what is called cessationism, that the gifts of the Spirit ceased. That's a lie. They're very much alive and well. And this is to show you why you can believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, there are two books that I waited until I was 80 years old to write. The one I'm going to preach in a couple of minutes, In Pursuit of His Wisdom. I waited until I was 80 to write a book on wisdom. And then I wanted to write a book on finishing well. And my second sermon today uh, will be on finishing well. And I was lucky enough to meet Yogi Berra, who coined the phrase, it ain't over till it's over, and he endorsed the book. It's a picture of Yogi and me, uh, but that will be in the second. And by the way, we sell everything. We're giving them away, $10. Diez dólares. We want to get rid of them. Here, give those to Tio. Well, a great joy to be with you. And I do want to speak to you now on the subject of wisdom. And I want to read from James chapter 1, verse 5. You could say, you could make the case that this is the first prayer in the New Testament. The reason I say that is that James, the book of James, was the first to be written. It was written around 40 AD. It's not placed first in the canon, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew was written in the 60s. James, around 40 AD. So you could say this is the first book and the first prayer, therefore, is this. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Well, may God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus 
by your spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard, received, and applied as you intend. And cleanse my tongue that I might be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. I pray that this will be a life-changing word and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. There was a time when I wanted to call this book uh, The Gift Nobody Wants. The reason I say that, because if you are aware of the uh, so-called nine gifts of the Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, are you aware that the first listed is wisdom? And yet, many people, they just bypass that. They get to prophecy or healing, miracles. That's what I want, they say. I want to make the case that this is not only the chief gift, it's the most important gift. It is the most needed gift of any gift of the Spirit. Because people don't realize that this is the supreme thing. If you get real wisdom, there's no way to calculate how important this gift is. We're living in a time when it seems to be the gift nobody seems to have, whether it be in politics, in the church, in the world. When you see things happening, you think, how could they do this? How could they say this? This is so dumb. This is so stupid. They lack wisdom. You see it in the church. And if I can get this over, you will want to pursue the wisdom of God more than anything in the world. Now, let me tell you this. There are three times that you can know that you are praying in God's will. For example... You need to know this. The only prayer that God hears is when you pray in his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if you want to be heard, then you'll pray in his will. You say, well, how can I know that I'm praying in his will? Well, there are three ways. One, when you pray the Lord's Prayer. The disciples said, teach us to pray to Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, I will. When you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The Lord's Prayer. When you pray that, you're praying in God's will. I've written a book on the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer that should not just be prayed by everybody. Individual Louise and I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. The thing about the Lord's Prayer is it covers it all. It covers, first of all, God's petitions. He has three prayer requests. And people don't realize that. The first thing you pray for is you pray for God's name to be hallowed all over the world. One of my goals in my old age, do you know my supreme desire? I want to make God famous. Many years ago, back in the 60s, the Beatles said, we're more famous than Jesus. And sadly, they were right. 
I want to make God famous. And when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a prayer that God's name will be hallowed all over the world. Thy kingdom come. That's his request. You're supposed to pray for that. Thy will be done. You're, you're supposed to pray that first. This, you see, the Lord's prayer keeps you from rushing into God's presence and just snapping your finger. Because the throne of grace has this protection that you don't just rush in and say, gimme, 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 using God like a milk cow, just using him. No, you go to worship and you put his prayer list first. And then when it comes to our petitions, give us this day our late daily bread that covers everything, your physical needs, your emotional needs, even need for sleep, your health, everything is covered. Uh, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. That's for your spiritual benefit. We all need the forgiveness of sins. But then there's a commitment that we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. That's petition number four. And deliver us from the evil one. Now the point is, I'm not going into the Lord's Prayer in any more detail, except when you pray the Lord's Prayer, that's one time you can know you're praying in God's will. There's another time. When you pray in the Spirit, for example, in Romans chapter 8, Paul talked about the time when he wasn't sure whether he was praying in the will of God. He said in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. When you begin to pray in a language, you don't even know what you're saying. And he says, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So when you pray in the Spirit, you may not know what you're saying. But at least you know one thing. The Holy Spirit intercedes according to God's will. Amen. So you want to know you're being heard. Lord's Prayer, praying in the Spirit, and there's a third time. You can be sure that you're praying in God's will. And that's this. If anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, you know, being old is no guarantee of wisdom. Uh, Shakespeare, his King Lear, uh, the moral of the story of King Lear is there's no fool like an old fool. And uh, sometimes instead of getting wiser, some people get silly as they get old. And so it's no sign of wisdom just because you're old. But I can tell you this, I'm still learning. And it is my goal. I want to finish well. Now, it's a sign of wisdom that you choose wisdom over anything else. You see, most people opt for pleasure, money, fame. Perhaps you know the story. God came to Solomon and said, what would you like? Name it, claim it, believe it, receive it. Well, Solomon said, hmm. By the way, what would you say to God? Have you ever fantasized that if God came to you and says, what would you like? 
whatever would you ask for? Would you say, oh, I'd like fame. I'd like enough money to live on. Well, Solomon asked for wisdom. You know what said, God said back to Solomon? He said, Solomon, you know what? You could have asked for a long life, but you didn't. You could have asked for vengeance on your enemies. You didn't. But because you asked for wisdom, you know what? I'm going to give you what you asked for plus the things you didn't ask for. This is a key point. We're living in a time, I'm sorry. You know, you mentioned my being on, on TV. Don't tell anybody I said this. But so much of what you hear on Christian television is rubbish. And the idea is that you can just ask God for anything. And it's mostly about money. God will take care of you financially. This is the main thing. They miss it. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. The trouble is people are stressing the things that can be added. Don't, don't ask for the main thing. Well, the Greek word is Sophia. That's the Greek word for wisdom. In ancient Greece, they thought that Sophia only belonged to the gods, uh, Plato, Aristotle. They could have this Sophia wisdom. It was out of reach of ordinary people. But here is the amazing thing. James comes along and says to ordinary, simple people like you and me, if you ask for wisdom, it's yours. The most important thing you could possibly have, what the ancient Greeks thought was out of reach, is closer than your fingertips, closer than your, the, bra the, the uh, breath of air that you breathe. All right, let me give you some definitions of wisdom. Here it is in a word. It's getting God's opinion. Are you aware that God has an opinion on everything? He's got an opinion. See, I never thought of that. Oh, yeah, he does. He's got an opinion on everything. And the smartest thing you can do is find out what that is and go for it. The most foolish thing you can do is to ignore God's opinion. You say, well, I'm not sure I, won't, I want his opinion. Well, I can tell you now, if you want to be a fool, you seek what you want and not his will. Because God knows what is best he knows the next step forward. And if I can get this over, I will save somebody here a lot of trouble and a lot of agony. Because if you get his wisdom, it will save you. You see, uh, the word wisdom, uh, Sophia, getting God's opinion. The word opinion comes from the Greek word doxa, which means glory, and the root word of that means opinion. So the glory of God is his opinion. 
and whatever you do, get his opinion. And until you get it, don't do anything because he's got an opinion. Someone else has said, wisdom is the ability to get things done. I think there's a lot of truth to that. My own definition, wisdom is the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. Some years ago, I was preaching in Florence, Alabama. And just before we walked into the pulpit, the pastor said, tell me, what's a veteran like you got to say to a young whippersnapper like me? I looked at him and said, find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do that. And you've got your work cut out for you. You see, when you get the presence of the mind of the Spirit, that means that you have the Holy Spirit ungrieved. See, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. And in my book, 40 Days of the Holy Spirit, uh, I deal with this. The Holy Spirit is a very sensitive person. Now, when we think of, of a person being very, very sensitive, it's usually uh, not a compliment. You say of certain people, be careful around them. They get their feelings hurt very easily. They're very sensitive. It's not a compliment. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that just happens to be the way he is. He's very sensitive. He's very sensitive. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Grieve not the Spirit of God for whom we are sealed, with whom we are sealed for the day of redemption. Why does it say don't grieve him? The word grieve comes from a Greek word that means get your feelings hurt. That means the Holy Spirit can get his feelings hurt. And when he gets his feelings hurt, he's grieved, and the result is you lose the presence of his mind. He just won't talk to you now. He won't reveal things to you. Doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. Because Paul says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Nothing can be clearer than that. So when you grieve the Spirit, you don't lose your salvation, but you cut off the supply of the anointing. And what you want is for the Holy Spirit to be ungrieved when He's just Himself. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person. And John the Baptist knew when Jesus was the real Messiah because the word came to John the Baptist, the dove will come down and remain. When he comes down on me, I'm afraid, he doesn't always remain. He flies away. You see, the Holy Spirit is likened to a dove. The dove is a very sensitive bird. A very shy bird. And by the way, did you know that doves and pigeons are in the same family? They are. They're the same. Anatomically, they're the same. They're the same. But temperamentally, they're different. You can train a pigeon, but you cannot train a dove. A pigeon is boisterous. A dove is gentle. In fact, I've written a book called Pigeon Religion. You see, there are people that don't know the difference between a dove and a pigeon, and there are those that don't know the difference between the Holy Spirit and the counterfeit. 
You hear them say, you should have been in church Sunday. The Holy Ghost came down. And you get to the bottom of it, it was pigeon religion. I've written a book called Pigeon Religion. I don't know that we've brought any, but remember that. That's my latest book. It shows what is the counterfeit. You see, in fact, in that book, I show 19 differences between a dove and a pigeon. Well, when the dove comes down and remains... That's the way it was with Jesus. Jesus never grieved of the Holy Spirit, ever. Jesus never grieved the Spirit. You say, well, R.T., how do you grieve the Spirit? By bitterness, anger, losing your temper, pointing the finger, holding a grudge, See, the dove comes down until you lose your temper, and then he just kind of flies away. This is a metaphor. You don't really lose the Holy Spirit, but the anointing. You forfeit the anointing. And so what you want more than anything in the world is to have the presence of his mind. That means when he's ungrieved, you're not pointing the finger. You're not holding a grudge. You're living in total forgiveness. And that way, when the Holy Spirit comes down, he says, oh, I like it here. I'm at home here. Jesus, when the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus, Holy Spirit says, I'm at home. I want him to be like that with me. When he comes down, he's at home. And I'm not found shouting at somebody, anger, or whether it's on the phone or talking curtly to my wife. Because the Holy Spirit won't bend the rules for any of us. So when I have the presence of his mind, I know the next thing to do. I have his wisdom. I don't want to miss his will. And this is the wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit has an opinion on everything. And if you get God's opinion, it's because the ungrieved spirit you have the presence of the mind of the Spirit. Now, wisdom exists on two levels. One, Holy Scripture, and the other, when you have the immediate witness of the Spirit, what to do next. Now, there are two Greek words that are relevant here, although I say this guardedly because they can be used interchangeably. For example, there's logos and there is rhema. Logos, generally speaking, refers to Holy Scripture. Ramos, rhema is when God just gives you a word. And you perhaps heard people say you want a rhema word. I remember watching a TV program and the preacher said, don't turn that dial. I have a rhema word for you. Oh, wow, I don't want to miss this. Whatever is it. Well, a rhema word is when he just gives you a word of knowledge. Uh, you want to know what to do. Should you go on vacation? Should you marry this person? Uh, should you take this job? Uh, rhema word. And I'm sorry, but so many Christians, that's all they want. They want a rhema word. They want something quick. They don't want to, to get to know the word. 
But we're living in a day when people would rather go to McDonald's or Burger King or Kentucky Fried Chicken than to, to wait for the best like I had last night. We waited for that paella. I love it. Sorry to make you hungry. But those who want something quick, here's a prophecy. Chase after a rhema word and you'll never get it. Chase after the Logos and God will give you a rhema word. And this is the thing. You want this wisdom. Get to know the Bible so well. Get to know his word so well that you already know. Or another way to put wisdom is having 20-20 foresight vision. Now, we all have 20-20 hindsight. We think, oh, if I'd only done this. After it's done, you know what you should have done. But this wisdom, Sophia wisdom, is 20-20 foresight. And would you like not to make a mistake next time? You want not to stick your foot in it. You, you don't want to mess up. I'm telling you, this wisdom is available. And so it's saying the right thing at the right time. You know, in James chapter 3, he talks about tongue control. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep the whole body in check. You know, the old question, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, the question here is, does tongue control make room for wisdom? Or does wisdom make room for tongue control? It's hard to tell. But when you walk in wisdom, you avoid those silly mistakes. I want to talk to you now about the folly of rejecting God's wisdom. You say, I'm not sure I want his opinion because I, I know what I want to do and I'm afraid God may not let me do what I want to do. Listen to these words. Some of the strongest words ever. I almost hesitate to read them because they're so scary. But listen. Since you ignored all my advice, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 25, and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. What does that mean? Well, you just keep praying and he doesn't listen to you. He says, I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Now listen to this. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Why? Since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You see... The fear of the Lord is a choice. And here's the amazing thing. Proverbs chapter 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
I think I'm talking to somebody here that you know what it is that you rejected God's wisdom. You wanted to do it my way. And God says, okay, you do it your way. And then you messed up so deeply. And you got in so deep and you think, how can I ever get out of this? And this is when the Lord says, you didn't want what I offered you. But God is coming to this lovely church today to say, I'm offering a second chance. A second chance. And here is a moment. You say, God, I messed up. And so by choosing the fear of the Lord doesn't mean running scared 24 hours a day. But what it does mean that you choose his knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. It means knowledge of his word. How well do you know the Bible? How well do you know the Bible? Do you have a Bible reading plan? Or do you just say, well, I need to read the Bible today. Let's see. Okay, Lord. Where? Ah, Ezekiel chapter 28. I'll read this today. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And, uh, okay, thank you, Lord. There's people, they, they just look for it. They, they, that's the only time they read the Bible. There are preachers. There are preachers, I hope none on this staff, who only turn to the Bible when they want a sermon. You need a Bible reading plan. Go online. Get one today. In my Bible reading plan, many years ago, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the man who put me in Westminster Chapel, introduced me to a Bible reading plan. And I can say you that I've read the Bible through over 40 times. This is the way you get the wisdom, the accumulate wisdom. Some of you haven't read it once. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, said Hosea. Knowledge of God's word and knowledge of God's ways. How do you get to know anybody's ways? Somebody tell me. How? You spend time with them. Children spell love. T-I-M-E. What if God spells love? T-I-M-E. You know, when I first went to Westminster Chapel, I asked every member to pray 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. You would have thought the chandeliers would fall. One deacon says, 30 minutes a day? I don't know what to say after five minutes, which told me more about him than I wanted to know. Listen to these words from Martin Luther. Quote, read it in his diary. I have a very busy day today. Must not spend two hours, but three in prayer. Martin Luther, John Wesley would not think of going out into his day without two hours on his knees. John Wesley. But where are the Wesleys today? 
Where are the Luthers? Who is turning the world upside down? The average church leader in America spends four minutes a day in quiet time. You wonder why the church is powerless. I'm saying to get this wisdom is the most coveted thing in the world. It will save you some foolish mistakes. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge of my word, my ways, my wisdom. And when you know that his ways, he holds your destiny in his hands. And there's another interesting thing when it comes to wisdom. I don't know how much you read from the book of Proverbs. Uh, Here's what Proverbs chapter 4 says. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom. And she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Esteem her. And she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head. Present you with a crown of splendor. And speaking of Proverbs, I wonder if if you've noticed when you get very far into Proverbs, it talks about adultery, women, sexual promiscuity. It's just in your face, page after page. Why? You want to know why? Sexual promiscuity and wisdom don't mix. You give in to sexual promiscuity, don't even think about asking for wisdom. Since you rejected knowledge, I'll laugh at your calamity. (laughs) I mentioned a while ago about wanting a rhema word. How would you like a rhema word right now? Would you like a rhema word? I've got it. For anybody, as I speak, you're having an affair or you're thinking about it nobody knows it but you know it God knows it you ready for a rhema word here goes stop it now It's only a matter of time you'd give a thousand worlds to turn the clock back to this moment. Wisdom begins with acknowledging your sin. You know, here's the thing. What if God had said by education you get wisdom? You think, well, that leaves me out. What if he said by being cultured you get wisdom? What if he said by intellect or intelligence... Or if you have a high IQ, you get wisdom. What if he said by success in making money, you get wisdom? What if he had said being well-connected and knowing the right people, you get wisdom? But no. 
It's by choosing the fear of the Lord. And it's within grasp of everybody here. Here's the thing about wisdom, and I close with this. Wisdom is a secret, and God knows it. And until he gives it to you, you ain't going to get it. He can give it to you just like that. But you can read philosophy, read psychology, get to know people, read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Let me tell you how to get wisdom. It, it, just get, get God's opinion. And it's a secret. And it, it's the easiest thing in the world for him just to push the right button. I'll tell you a funny story. When I was writing this very book on wisdom, one morning I put on my earphones and I wanted to make sure that my... Uh, my music played. My, my favorite composer is uh, Rachmaninoff. Now, my second is Cuban music. <laughs> uh, I'm not joking. I love it. I almost made a mistake the first time I came here and admitted that, but we'll go there now. But I love Rachmaninoff. And so I turn it on. It's not there. I push this. I push that. Turn this up. And I called TR. I said, TR, my, my computer, it's just over the guarantee, and I'm going to have to take it in. I cannot get any sound, and I'm getting ready to go on this flight. I want to be able to play Rachmaninoff when I'm tr going over the Atlantic. I, I, I don't know what to do. He said, did you by chance push the mute button? <laughs> oh, ah, music came on. <laughs> that easy. That's how easy it is for God. He can just push the right button, and you, you, you know what to do. But you can't get it unless he gives it to you. So you go to him on bended knee. And here's the thing. Though it costs you all you have, get it. It's worth everything. I close. Do you know for sure, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven, do you? And if you were to stand before God, and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven, whatever would you say? Suppose we passed out sheets of paper, and you didn't know why you had them, but and you came in, now you've got a sheet of paper. I want you to go along with me. I want you in your mind to write down on that sheet of paper what you would say to God if he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? There's only one answer. Give the wrong answer. You have to go someplace else where you don't want to go. What would you say? Start writing. Now everybody pass your sheets to the end. Ushers collect them. Now I've got 250, 300 sheets of paper. Would you like to hear some of the answers? I believe I will go to heaven because I've done my best. I would say, I'm sorry, but you're lost. Oh. I've tried to live a good life. Sorry, but you're lost. I was brought up in a Christian home. Good, that means you had a head start, but that won't save you. 
Here's another. I was baptized. Good? That won't save you. I was baptized by a Baptist preacher. You're lost as a goose. I've kept the Ten Commandments. Well, you're a liar for one thing. I've lived by the Sermon on the Mount. You're a bigger liar. You say, well, what, if, what more can you do if you've done your best? It's because your best is never good enough. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Evil thoughts, jealousy, lust. These are sins. But you see, there's somebody who came along 2,000 years ago who when he did his best, he fulfilled the law. He never sinned. He was even baptized for you. He kept the law for you. When he died on the cross, he uttered the words, It is finished. Greek word tetelestai that means paid in full. I've got one hope of going to heaven because Jesus died for me. If you didn't write that on that sheet of paper, you know what you wrote. If you didn't write, you're trusting his death or his blood, the equivalent. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything in the world. But we can sort that out. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. You can say it in your heart. You don't need to say it out loud. Say this. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. As best as I know how, I give you my life. That's it. Did you pray that prayer? Did you? Are you ashamed that you prayed that prayer? Why do you ask, R.T.? Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you, 10 seconds from now, to stand up right where you are. You stand in front of all these people. Yep. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech. Just standing will show you're unashamed. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them all over this place. Anybody else? Now remain standing. Let me see. Stop clapping. Here's the thing. Two categories of people are standing right now. One, you've never prayed this prayer before. First time. That means that you've just been born again. Happy birthday. But there's a second category. You were saved before today. But the clarification of the gospel, when I gave it, so rang true, you just wanted to stand. You did the right thing. God bless you. Be seated. I'm finished. Let's stand this morning and thank the Lord for his word, his servant. Chaos, confusion reigns when the wisdom of God is absent. God is not a God of confusion. And the devil wants you to mismatch your feelings and your 
heart and your circumstances and lose God's wisdom. Man's pursuit is to choose himself to be God and that was what Satan did in the garden when he told them you don't need God you could be like God and I think that that's the saddest day for a human to not seek the wisdom of God in Job chapter 28 God looks down from heaven and marvels at man's pursuit for gold, silver, diamonds the pursuit of worldly possessions and, and he says, man digs into a river and builds a dam to hold back the water to, to find minerals, goes into deep caverns to find gold and silver. And he says, what is the price of wisdom? It far exceeds all these things. If you could live your life like God wanted it lived, you would live a dream in the full provision of God's goodness. And that, that element is, is, is wisdom, like Dr. R.T. Kendall said. The mind of God in every circumstance. We talked about going around the world and talking to fathers who should contain the wisdom of God for their children. And here's the number one worst answer a father could give his child when he goes to ask for wisdom. He says, hey, Dad, look, this is going on. What should I do? And Dad says, I don't know. When a father says, I don't know, it means he wasn't seeking the Lord because as a son comes to you, you should go seek the Lord on his behalf and have the counsel of God on your lips. And the second worst answer is go ask your mom because it's your responsibility to give godly counsel to your own. And it's free, the Bible says. It's free. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for a time of visitation to spring of life. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is a spring of life. The very foundations of the vision of this church is that we choose the fear of God. We choose the wisdom of God above the opinion of man, above our own feelings and dispositions and priorities. We pray that this word would be sown into the hearts of this church and to those who hear it, both here and through live stream. We pray, Father God, that foolishness is not the character of the children of God. Wisdom is proven by its children. We pray that you could give us thoughts that are not earthly, that are not our feelings, but the wisdom that comes from heaven that it would be peaceful, joyful, and right. We pray that this day would be a day that would be marked down in our calendars, even as we commemorate 9-11 and the assault on this nation, Lord. We pray that our leaders would walk in godly wisdom. We pray for government of wisdom that would pursue the heart and the thoughts of God. We pray for a citizenry that would not walk in chaos and confusion, but in the clarity of your opinion for all matters. We give you thanks for our armed forces. We give you thanks for a nation under God, 
a nation that pursues the wisdom of our founding fathers, pursues the word of God, that that would be our flag, that would be our banner, oh God. We pray, Father God, that the families in this church would be known in the community for being wise families who choose the fear of God to escape the snare of adultery and sexual immorality, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Father, be glorified, and as the coming days come, we pray your blessing upon Dr. R.T. Kendall. Make him strong. Give him a profound and weighty influence in his words. We honor him as a patriarch to the body of Christ and pray, O oh God, that he might be able to be the trumpet call of God for the last days in a pursuit of simplicity and sincerity in Christ. We pray that you would bless his descendants. You promise it in Psalm 112. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His children will be mighty upon the land. They shall not lack any good thing. Riches and honors will be in his home. Blessed he are. Bless uh, his sister, Lord. Bless Louise, Lord, as she allows RT and, and accommodates his ability to bless the body of Christ even here in Miami. We give you thanks and we glorify your name and we could, are ever so grateful for this gift of the body of Christ, Lord. Make him strong, give him full provision that he might run this race, Lord, till its very end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen.